Hello, 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 and thank you for tuning into The Rundown here on WNYU 89.1 FM New York and online everywhere at WNYU.org. I'm your temporary host, Grace Wanabo. Aria Young will be back next week. Um, so we've got a great show for you tonight. Reporter Adelaide Miller covers students voting in the midterm elections, November 8th, everybody. Liam Cahan covers the Tribeca clock tower strike, so stay tuned. For our first story, with our academic midterms winding down, it's time to to pay attention to the fact that the 2022 midterm elections are heating up. Reporter Adelaide Miller spoke with two NYU student voters to learn about why they vote and why they think you should too. Millions of eligible student voters will miss their opportunity too. For us... Next Tuesday on November 8th, millions of Americans will cast their ballots in the midterm election and shape the future leadership of the country. At the same time, millions of eligible student voters will miss their opportunity too. For us students, it's easy for elections to pass by unnoticed, and they often do. According to the Campus Vote Project, an organization dedicated to increasing voter turnout among young adults, students make up a fifth of eligible voters, but voter turnout within our demographic has been as low as 17% in recent years. This doesn't mean that students are politically apathetic. Many are dedicated members of political campus organizations and work to fight issues such as racism, climate change, and inaccessible reproductive health care, just to name a few. To learn more about how to begin bridging the gap between students and their voting power, I spoke with two passionate student voters at our university. I'm Layla, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm an environmental studies major with a minor in biology. So I grew up in Colorado until I was about 11, and then I moved to Chicago, but my mom moved back to Denver, so I'm now registered to vote in Colorado again. So my name is Arjun Kumar. I am a senior. I go by he, him pronouns, and I'm majoring in economics with a minor in philosophy. I'm from um, just south of San Francisco, and I'm registered to vote in California. Along with over half of NYU students, Layla and Arjun are from outside of New York State. They both choose to vote in their hometowns. During the 2022 midterms, all 435 seats in the House of Representatives and 35 of 100 Senate seats are up for re-election. Many additional regional referendums will also be decided. These allow citizens to vote on certain laws or political issues. With so many different names and choices, it can be overwhelming to sit down and fill out a ballot. Arjun and Layla walked me through their strategies for deciding how to vote. Right, so can it can be actually really confusing, obviously, because there's everyone's going to know about the presidential election, maybe the Senate election, but there's a long ballot with many different issues. When I know this is kind of weird, I actually look everything up. I like every single individual office, and I don't vote because I don't consider myself partisan. I don't vote based on party issues. I'll vote for each individual candidate and each individual issue. I think that you should look at a candidate or a proposition or whatever's content and opinions individually and vote based on that. Like You shouldn't vote for someone just because they're a Republican. You shouldn't vote for a proposition just because the Democrats are supporting it. You should vote because that's what you believe in. And I feel like parties kind of remove that personal connection to the issue. W- Ballotpedia is a great resource, actually, because what they'll do is you put your address in. It's a website. You put your address into it. It'll print out a sample ballot for you and then it has pretty much like detailed descriptions of all of the issues and of the candidates a lot of times it has like 
interviews and opinions. It's like a Wikipedia for <laughs> a ballot, as the name implies. So I think, especially with American politics, it can be very overwhelming to think on the national scale. So what I like to do is I usually look up the candidates like about a week beforehand, and I kind of do a pros-cons list of why I would vote for this person, why I wouldn't vote for this person. And I think it's important not only to see what the politician is saying about themselves, but to see their actual track record and looking through what they voted for in the past, I'm from Chicago, so, like, it's the land of, like, politicians being, like, kind of corrupt. <laughs> so it's important to, like, kind of cross-check what they're saying and what they're actually doing. So I like looking at, like, different news sources and, of course, making sure they're, like, verifiable. But honestly, there's a lot of, like, if you go to any, like, .gov website, you can look up voting history and what particular senators and things have voted on before. So I highly recommend doing your own research and then also just kind of making it approachable. I think it's important to know what you're voting for, but I also think that when I tell people, I'm like, oh, you should research each person on the ballot, they get kind of overwhelmed. So I think at least knowing who's on the ballot and knowing what their policies are is the most important part rather than being like me and being like a nerd and like going through the minutia of like what they actually do. So if you're not sure of whether you'll be voting this month, here's how Arjun and Layla explain why the effort is worth it to them. I think that we're very fortunate and lucky to have a government that we get to choose and rules and laws that we get to have an input in. And not everyone in the world has that freedom. In fact, I believe probably most people don't. So I think that it's very important to take advantage of that, because when you don't, that's when it goes away. And also, it just seems kind of disrespectful in general to not use your voice when you can and so many can't. It, make, it makes sense to, to not have faith in that system, because obviously, well, your vote is going to count, but it's going to count very small, right? But cliche argument, if everyone says that, then it becomes an issue, right? So you still should. But then I can also understand why people wouldn't have faith because a lot of the politicians these days that we elect will just do things that are different from what you elected them for. And I think that is obviously an issue, but you still got to vote because <laughs> that's the only way that it could be changed in any way. I think that this election in particular is very important because there's a lot of people on the ballot who explicitly did not certify Biden's election. So if we think about how stacked the Supreme Court is right now, and how easily having a Republican-controlled House and Senate would change things. I think that this election is particularly important to get out and vote mm -hmm. and having a democratically controlled House and Senate, though they haven't been doing what they should be doing. They're not actively trying to wither away or chip away at our democratic processes, which a lot of people have explicitly said is part of their policy. I think anyone who has seen photos of armed men sitting outside of voting stations, that should be the fuel that fires you up to get out and go to the polls, because we don't want this to become a norm. We don't want this to be acceptable. We, want, um, we don't want voter intimidation to become the precedent. I have a lot of friends who don't believe in voting and who don't vote 
But for me as a black woman in America, I think of it kind of as a way to honor all the ancestors who lost their lives for my ability to vote. So even though I might not believe in everything, and even though I might not view um, the current political system as effective, to choose to opt out entirely is also a choice that feels to me disrespectful to lives lost. Um, And it feels like not honoring the new privilege that so many people fought for. I definitely understand why people do not want to vote. I think it's difficult to vote in something that continually feels like change isn't happening. And it's it's very difficult to keep voting in a process where you feel like you're continuing to lose all the time. But I would argue that as an American, and I don't feel particularly patriotic if I'm being honest, but I think it's important for people who want to see change to use all of our rights. So that means freedom of speech. That means freedom of press. It means the right to vote. All of these things are uh, tools that we have. It's not going to be the fix, but it's one tool in the toolbox of making change that I think is very important. Though it's not glamorous, though it feels oftentimes like a losing battle, though it feels like a Sisyphean, pointless act, if you're not using every single resource available to you, then you're not doing all that you can. If you'd like to check your registration status, learn more about participating in elections, or access other voting resources, you can start by checking out vote.org online. For the rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM, this has been Adelaide Miller. Workers for the Tribeca Clock Tower building are going on strike after stalled negotiations for a better pay and other benefits. Liam Kahan has the scoop. For WNYU 89.1 FM, I'm Liam Kahan. When the city was, was, was going through tough times... We kept the building running. We kept everything running. We were there. That was Felix Figueroa, a New York City doorman who seven months ago threatened to strike while working at one of the city's most expensive buildings. Tensions have since escalated, and two weeks ago, 15 workers at the Tribeca Clock Tower building began a strike after the building's property manager refused to negotiate with their union. While the building owners have recognized the union, made up of doormen, concierges, and other maintenance workers, since the spring of 2021, Efforts to increase wage from $21.50 an hour to $28 an hour have resulted in a stalemate in negotiations. This pay increase would put their wage in line with the other some 30,000 workers represented by the local 32BJ of the Service Employees International Union. The workers are also pursuing other benefits such as better health care coverage, which has been lacking in their realm of work for years. The strike came months after 32BJ and the Realty Advisory Board on Labor Relations reached a new four-year agreement that kept employees' health care, vacation days, and sick leave intact, and ensured that annual wages would increase by 3% for the duration of the contract. But a week before the strike, attorneys for 32BJ pressed charges against the National Labor Relations Board, claiming that the management company was retaliating against workers for union activity and was not bargaining in good faith. So what does this mean for New Yorkers? 
Well, for residents of the Tribeca building, they may be taking out their own trash for the time being. But this strike is likely to be one of many others that will spring up in the coming weeks. In just the past few days, workers for Delta Airlines, Medicaid and Medicare hotlines, and even Starbucks have gone on strike. America as a whole is seeing a rise in unionization, and New York is no different. But whether this will cause a domino effect for other building workers to follow suit, only time will tell. For WNYU 89.1 FM, this has been Liam Kahan. That's going to do it for us here tonight. I'll be back here. Actually, I won't be back here. Aria Young will be back here next week, same time, same place. So stay tuned. For the rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM New York, this has been Grace Wanabo. Up next, we have the a broadcast, Sorry Not Sorry, NY Who, The Good, The Bad, The Similar, and East Village Love Stories.